It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. And if you missed the Speak to the Governor today with Governor Spencer Cox and, of course, our own Maria Chaleos hosting that uh, with many of your questions, uh, I want to take some time in this segment to go through a few things that I thought were really important that the governor said, especially as it relates to fires, uh, to drought. Uh, and and our water issues here in the state of Utah, because these are things we all need to think again about. And we need to make sure we're functioning uh, from the right set of facts in terms of what's happening and then what we need to do in terms of our behavior. Uh, so the governor talked about uh, starting just with the fire issue and where we actually are. What does it mean and uh, what do we need to do to start correcting that? We had a legal opinion from the Attorney General's office and, and uh, my office as the attorneys worked together last night that was delivered that said I don't have the authority to ban fireworks in the state, that, that uh, only the legislature can do that. And uh, they, they've said they are, they are not interested in that. Now, All right, that's uh, Spencer Cox. Just talking through, uh, as was reported there by Mark Jackson, that uh, the governor doesn't have the authority to ban fireworks. He did, of course, uh, make a lot of recommendations in terms of what we do individually, what cities and counties do as well. Uh, Let's jump into the fire situation itself. Uh, Here's what the governor had to say. We, we are seeing those fires every day. We have, we have over 300 fires that have already burned in the state. Um, and at this time last year, that, that, that was less than 100. So that tells you what kind of, and, and by the way, last year was a bad year. Um, last year we had over 60 fires that were started just by fireworks alone. So the, uh, again, we're way ahead of schedule in terms of the number of fires, over 300 fires already throughout the state. The governor pointed out again last year. Last year was a really bad year. We had a hundred uh, at this point, so we're three times where we've been. And a lot of those, uh, the vast majority of those, are human-caused fires. We understand those that are, you know, lightning strikes and so on. But uh, where humans are causing them, uh, we all got to change our behavior uh, and adapt and adjust. And of course, one of the areas where we all can adjust and need to adjust is our, our use of water. We know uh, the reservoirs are down. We know that that, that uh, we're continuing in a, a mega drought situation. There, uh, the governor kind of detailed uh, the one of the important things we do. We talk about uh, our farmers and uh, agriculture and how much water is used there, and they're they're trying to do their part as well. Here's how the governor uh, laid that out. Farmers are conserving. In fact, farmers are conserving a lot more than, than we're asking you to conserve with your, your lawns. Um, in many places, including my own farm, um, we've seen approximately a 70% reduction in our normal water usage. So we, uh, that, that's big. And, and I would also point out that f- I like food, and I think you like food too. And uh, your grass doesn't feed anybody on your lawn, but um, the, the the food that's being produced by farmers does. Uh, it also provides jobs. Um, and same with industry. Industry is cutting back as well. 
Uh, the governor went on to, to kind of detail that a little bit. Uh, there is a difference between water being used uh, by our farmers and ranchers, getting uh, food and fiber to our tables. Uh, all of that is absolutely vital. And uh, the governor said it is just a little bit of a, of a silly comparison. It's a false comparison, and, and uh, I, I, it always kind of bothers me when people use that comparison because uh, the, the water that we're using for purely aesthetics versus water that we're using uh, to keep our economy going and water we're using to feed people, um, th- those are, it's, it's not a, a similar comparison. But um, if you want to make that comparison, you're certainly welcome to. And if you're willing to cut back 70% of your water usage like farmers are, then we'd love to see it. All right, so that's an important framing, I think, for us in terms of what is our job, what's our responsibility as citizens. Uh, Things that are for aesthetics are one thing, things that actually provide food and fiber uh, for us, for the region and for the country, I think are a little bit different. And we know that many of those uh, farmers and ranchers are really struggling. And uh, to know that many of them have been cutting back 70% uh, of their water usage, uh, that's, uh, that is big, that is tough, uh, that is hard. And so we all need to make sure we uh, do our part in all of that. And I think part of this, the governor got to this, and I want to play this for you in just a second, about this idea of do we really understand uh, the cost of water? Do we understand what is moving through the system? Uh, like with most things, uh, when you understand exactly what something really costs, your use of it, your behavior around it is changed. And the governor suggests that uh, maybe we need to have a little more education in terms of what the real costs are in terms of water. We need to understand the true cost of water. And most people don't understand that. And there's a reason they don't understand that. And that is because in many jurisdictions, we subsidize water usage through our property taxes. So uh, she mentioned that there was kind of a penalty in the property tax. We actually have the opposite. Um, everybody's property tax um, pays, not, not everybody's, but in most jurisdictions, property tax pays for water usage. And so people don't realize the true cost of water because it's just kind of buried in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think just Again, metering so we know how much we're using, as well as understanding what the true cost of water is. People would use less if they knew they could save money. But if it's just part of your property tax, if I told you that your property tax would go down if you use use less water, I think a lot of people would use less water. So those are some of the changes we would like to see happen. That, that kind of education, I think, is so important. I've, I've often said that we all should get a bill, an itemized bill of what we've paid in taxes over the course of the year, and then we should be able to see what it was actually spent on. Uh, I think we would demand a lot different from the federal government, to be sure, if we could say, okay, I'm, I'm willing to pay X amount of dollars out of my paycheck every month if it's going to these things, but you want me to pay for all of this other stuff? Uh, it would definitely change the conversation for sure. And I actually think the governor's on to something in terms of helping us understand the real cost of water. As he said, often that water usage is buried uh, somewhere in our property taxes, uh, so we don't see it as much. I think this is also true, again, at the federal level. We, we don't really see uh, all of the different taxes that we're paying, whether it's a gasoline tax, whether it's tax, uh, local taxes on, on food and services and so on, and taxes at the federal level. If you started adding all of those up and we started to get a real clear view of what we're really paying in taxes and, more importantly, what we're getting in return, uh, I think it would change the conversation. So I do think it's important when it comes to water, especially, 
that we understand the real cost and that we also understand what the consequences will be if uh, we don't take some action, if we don't do our part, if we don't look at the the ways we can do it a little different, uh, or those that are willing to pay more uh, to have that aesthetics of their lawn, that's fine. Uh, Let them pay for that. Uh, But I think there's got to be ways that we can have a little different conversation there. The most important thing for all of us to recognize uh, is that uh, we are uh, the obvious statement of obvious statements. We are in a drought, a big one. Uh, We've got uh, a lot of heat and a lot of dry and not a lot of snowpack and all of those things. And so we have to make the adjustment. And are we willing to make the adjustment? And if we had a better understanding of the impact, uh, would we be more willing to change our behavior? That's always the test. We're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, we're going to talk about a change in behavior. Amazingly, Congress seems to be interested in taking back some of their power from the executive branch. It has to do with the war powers. Find out what that's all about coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.